everyone, and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we try to answer once and for all, what is the best comic book adaptation? Yes, be it movie or TV show, we'll watch it and rank it until we have our definitive number one. Who's we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and as per usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mick. Hello. And Rob. Hello. So, how are we doing today? Toast is good. I'm, I'm glad we've got you back on the show, Rob. I've missed these scintillating hot takes of yours. Is, is that it then? Is that the uh, breakfast of podcasters toast? Because I had toast as well. Yeah. Toast is good. But, buttered toast. I had peanut buttered toast with banana on. Yeah, but it has to be proper butter. It can't be margarine. Well, no, if it's peanut butter, you just use the peanut butter. I, See, I had a frittata for breakfast, which I think firmly re-establishes me as the fancy lad of the podcast. <laughs> yes, you, you with your feathered Did, hat. And was it was it was it brought to you by your butler, Alfred? <laughs> was your breakfast buttled? A spot by on your train butler. with the day with the day's newspaper, freshly ironed. <laughs> anyway, enough of that nonsense. Because oh, now it's time. Listeners, for nonsense, read truth. I mean, I never said it was incorrect nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, now it is time for us to forget more ways to kill people than whole armies will ever learn as we behold the old guard. Yes, today we are going to be talking about the 2020 Netflix movie directed by Gina Price Bythewood with screenplay by Greg Rucker, who also wrote the comic book, which has art by Leonardo Fernandez. Yep. I and read this in comics. Certainly, this was a more timely episode when we first planned to record this. Yeah. Um, I remember I read this and covered this a while ago on uh, on kind of our uh, other podcast four panel, um, when this was like a long time ago, though. Um and yeah, I said, I, yeah, it was a uh, twenty seventeen. It came out, so I assume probably around then. Yeah, there you go, listeners. Just go, you know, find our other podcast, backtrace a few years, and then search through <laughs> every single episode that year. Yeah, archive searches—they're always fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks to the unique way in which we name our episodes. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> I remember that uh, one of the things I liked about the comic was that it had a different take on the whole idea of immortality. You know, it was more of a Highlander take on it rather than the typical, oh, look, I'm immortal, I can live forever, yay! Yeah, I don't know if I'd say... Like, I like the comic a lot. I wouldn't necessarily call it a different take on immortality, I think. It's leading very much into the man being alive for, like, hundreds and hundreds of years probably also kind of sucks. Yeah, uh, I've read a lot of immortality stories, and most of them kind of avoid that. Yeah, um, I I don't have any experience of the actual comic-based material, but um, I would say yeah. that they're free and easy with the definition of immortal. Yes, we will. Should, should we just, you know, clear <laughs> it right away up top? Yeah. Yes, we know... They say they're immortal. The characters aren't actually immortal. They're basically just Wolverine. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that they live for a very, very long time and can heal from most injuries. But yeah. they will also die at some point. Yeah. But we before we get into the tricky mechanics of immortality or near immortality, uh, shall we do a synopsis? Uh, we shall indeed. Because I, I was going to talk about the comic a bit more, but the great All thing right. is... I can basically do that by synopsizing the film because yeah. they're it, very, very similar. It, yep. it, it, it's like it was written for you, the synopsis. So, as per usual, uh, we have got full spoilers going into it. So, uh, our film begins. Andromache Andy of Scythia, played by Charlize Theron, is the leader of a group of immortals who use their powers to help people as a sorry, A-team-esque mercenary group. And oh. this group also includes Napoleonic-era soldier Booker, played by Matthias Schoenartz, and Crusader-era enemies-turned-lovers Joe and Nicky, played by Marwan Kanzari and Luca Marinelli, respectively. Yep. So the team operate in secret, not wanting to reveal their immortality to the world, However, this is jeopardized when their contact, Copley, Chirital IG4, sets them up and captures footage of the team healing from just so many bullets. I mean, there were a lot of bullets. Anyway, Copley is in league with corrupt pharmaceutical exec Stephen Merrick, played by Harry Melling, who was the kid, the other kid in the first Harry Potter film. That was. That was driving me wild for the entirety of the film, trying to figure out where I knew him from. Anyway. Yeah, I, I thought it was Screech from Saved by the Bell. He did look he a lot like Screech. He does look so much like Screech. <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't Screech Polly Shaw? I've no idea. I never watched Saved by the Bell, but I've seen a lot of memes. No, it was... I feel like I knew his name... Up until the point where I realised, what good is knowing the name to the actor of Screech going to do me in life and promptly forgot it? (laughs) Dustin Diamond. That was it. Anyway, he wants to capture the immortals so that he can extract the secret to near endless life and sell it on the market and then maybe girls will kiss him or something. That was basically the plot of every episode to save by the bell, I think. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, I'll be honest, that bit kind of threw me a little because I suddenly thought, hang on, isn't this the plot to Deep Blue Sea where they basically just capture a shark and then start sticking needles in it and it somehow becomes really angry and eats everyone because they want to cure something? Well, thanks for spoiling the end of the film, Rob. I say that now, I'm actually very disappointed this film doesn't end with them just turning into like giant King Shark type people and eating everyone. (laughs) Anyway, meanwhile, in Afghanistan, US Marine Nile Freeman, played by Kiki Lane, has her throat slit, only to wake up in a hospital a few days later with nary a scratch. She is, of course, another immortal, and Andy is guided to her by plot convenience. I mean... (laughs) Prophetic dreams to uh, to protect her and guide her. 
So Niall learns about the other immortals and their often tragic history and must come to grips with her new bloody long life. Yeah, Although she's quite time, resistant to the concept, it has to be said. She certainly is, but she better buck up her ideas in time to save the rest of the team, including Andy, who discovers she may not be as immortal as she thought. And yeah, I, I think that sums up the film. What did we think of it? Um, I liked it. I'll be honest. As an action movie, I liked it. As a kind of Highlander-esque, A-Team-esque, only without like the sass of the A-Team, uh, I liked it. I thought it was a perfectly serviceable action movie. And that's about it. That's about it. You see, I, I, I disagree. I don't think it was a serviceable action movie. I feel it was a serviceable pilot for an ongoing TV show. That might be why. That might be why, right? The first time I watched this, I, did, uh, I didn't get to watch the whole thing, right? So I said to you, Andrew, you know, I haven't finished watching the series. And you said it's a movie. I was like, oh, right. I haven't finished watching, like, the whole thing. So that probably is something that I subconsciously recognised. Uh, yeah, I, I and, think... like, certainly when you first that said that to me, Bob, that was even more than usual, I thought. What on earth is he talking about? But no, I, I do get it now. It is, it feels very much like just a long TV episode. Yeah, double episode yeah. pilot for a, for a TV show. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, I think part of the reason for that is possibly a budgetary reason because you've got you've got uh, Chuetel Adjifor and Charlie Theron in there. And in terms of sort of acting CVs, they're probably streets ahead of most of the rest of the cast. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. And probably with a, a pay scale to match. And I think that showed. I, I think I think some of the other cast members struggled to match them. Especially Harry Melling. I don't recall him being in anything other than Harry Potter. Well, I, I well, I mean, I barely recall him being in Harry Potter. I mean, I barely recall Harry Potter, so I had no chance. Um, but I mean, his portrayal of Stephen Merrick, the wealthy CEO of the pharmaceutical empire, it made me hanker after Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. That's what it was. I kept thinking, what does this remind me of? What are you, where have I seen this before? I mean, he definitely took those cues, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was... yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I spent the the film kind of thinking there just wasn't some. There was, it just didn't quite click that character, and I think it, it is. That is why that he's doing kind of discount Jesse Eisenberg a bit. Yeah. Uh, but that said. Like you say, whether whether it's a movie or a, an action TV series, it is perfectly serviceable. It is it is quite good fun. There are some nice little character parts in. There's a lot of clunky exposition though. Yeah, so very much. clunky. So much in a fun. sort of let's sit around a table and tell sad stories type clunky. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, just... yeah. I think that there are quite a few bits of 
right, it's been 10 minutes. We've got to explain another bit of the plot to Niall. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what it? Do you know what it read like? Uh, sorry, what it watched like? Um, when you read the comic, the the you know the exposition bits are in like you know the little boxes, so they're not actually you know uh, quite often they're not actually part of the uh, of the speech that's going on, right? Mm. Yeah, and a lot of the time it kind of you'll get the exposition as sort of like an in, an intro in the issue, and then it cuts to the actual plots. Yeah. And I think that does work. Really, I think that's probably summing up a, a lot of the things I didn't like so much about this film is that the, the pacing of the comic seems like it doesn't translate that well to a film. Yeah. And so there are a few clunky bits. And I think I think there were there were also some bits that probably would have... Some of the exposition wasn't necessary. Um, I don't think really to to move the plot on. You didn't need to understand all the details of their history, but then there were other bits like um, is it? I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Is it Quinn? Queen? Queen? Uh, no. uh, yeah, Quinn. I believe is it how you Quinn, pronounce yeah. it? The kind of the, the other immortal played by Van Veronica. No, yeah. Who, God, her backstory is the most horrific thing, isn't it? It is. Um, well, like, she got accused of witchcraft, and so they put her in an Iron Maiden and just dumped her in the ocean to, like, yeah. drown, come back and drown for all eternity. That, that that gave me the willies a bit. Yeah. I look forward to a future instalment of The Old Guard where she she gets released and is madder than a box of mad frogs. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't telegraphed much, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where you're going to get your King Shark moment, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, see, that... <sighs> yeah, what, what if like she just grew gills and that's how she escaped? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, she's... She, she's immortal enough that she's evolved. Yeah, because uh... as, as we said, spoilers, she does show up like as the sequel hook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I'm remembering what wall. Thank you very much, Mick. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say was um, they really tele- telegraphed that. But there was also the other immortal who died, whose immortality kind of ran out as if it's some kind of bottled substance. And uh, they never mentioned his backstory, I noticed. He kind of got conveniently forgotten by everybody. Yeah. Yeah, there are yeah, many models, mean, but they died. To yeah, to be fair, that I feel like, as we said, there's already a lot of exposition in the story, and like all you really need to know about him is he's the one who one day his, his immortality did just run out hmm. to kind of prove that is something that can happen, so that when you, it happens to Andy, you can go, oh, it's it's the thing they said earlier. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm also I'm in two minds about that. Because on the one hand, I, I do quite like it because it makes more sense with the plot. Because it's a bit weird in the comic that they mention that's a thing, but then it, it doesn't happen. So I, I'd, maybe they're just saving it for a like, later storyline. But it just, yeah. but like within that initial miniseries, it does seem like a weird, just abandoned plot line. Yeah. But on, on the other side of that, I, I kind of I don't like 
that it takes away some of the more fun moments in the comic of just like ridiculous healing factor stuff. Yeah. I... Like, so, so you know that there's the bit in the film where Andy gets captured by Copley because Booker betrays the team. Yeah. Like, basically, that happens in the comics. Uh, only they're in like the top story of a building. Yep. And so Andy, Niall, and then Booker as well, because he, kind of, he has his change of heart. They escape by just like Stephen Merrick going, ah, you're surrounded now. And it's good. Okay, jump out a window. Yep. Because by the time the elevator gets down to the ground floor, they've all recovered and gone. Exactly. They've <laughs> taken the express route. <laughs> but there's also like one moment that I absolutely love where it's kind of just after that. And Andy and Booker are arguing with each other. And like the, the argument just starts escalating to the point where they start just getting out pistols and punctuating all their arguments by shooting each other. Yep. And then Niall just gets so fed up that she pulls like a machine gun out and just blasts them both down. So it's like, stop being babies, you two. <laughs> See, this is the thing where uh, uh, in the comic, I like the fact that they take death. For them, death is something that is totally not serious anymore. It's totally not an issue. So um, they're kind of really, really desensitized to the whole idea of hurting each other. But they're very careful around other people. Yeah, and it's kind of something you see in, like, especially Deadpool, just the idea of when you have characters who can heal from pretty much anything, yeah. you can be a bit more Looney Tunes. Yep. I did like that the film kind of had the bit where Niall tries to escape. Like, oh, when yeah. She first gets touched by Anne, yeah. and so Andy just shoots her in the head. Yeah. <laughs> and then stands there waiting for her to recover. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that moment where she comes back. Like, God, I forgot how long it takes for the first time. Yeah, and that—that—that's—that's—that's that's, that's one of the bits that I felt could have done with a bit more exposition than it got, because she makes that comment about how it takes so long to heal the first few times, and then she has a few issues where it's taking her longer to heal than normal before it stops healing altogether, and you think. What exactly is the shape of this bell curve? What see, is the yeah? See, <laughs> how long do you have to be immortal to <laughs> to reach optimum healing speed? See, this is the thing that confused me a little bit was this whole kind of subplot about doing good deeds will be rewarded with exponential good deeds, and somehow that it may or may not be linked to immortality. They never quite clarify that. And it would have helped if we actually understood how Andy died the first time. Mm. You know, what was the reason for her death the first time? Was it doing good deeds? Was she saving somebody? It would have made that whole bit at the end make more sense. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think that this is just a biopic of Charlize Theron because she, she, she does appear to be immortal. Yeah. She doesn't appear to be aging at all. And she does have a religion. She does have her own religion. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to argue with the fact that Charlize Theron may or may not be a goddess either. But, you know. <laughs> the cult of Theron is strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and certainly if you were to argue that, you wouldn't do it to her face. No. Certainly not. <laughs> oh, God, she has like 
She has a stare that could rival Arnold Schwarzenegger's in The Terminator. You know, if anything, I feel like that's the one thing that would have made the fight scenes better. If just Charlie someone could just like stare people to death. I th- at times in the movie, I thought she was going to. Yeah, speaking of the fight scenes, I, I thought, you know, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it certainly helps that, again, speaking of Charlize Theron, actual goddess, she <laughs> can, like, do most of her own stunts. So you can have, like, these nice wide shots without too many cuts away. Yeah. And, like, and, and I just like um, how much they leaned into this idea of, like, these four characters have been working side by side for centuries and they're just so in sync. Yeah, they they, yeah. they each have their roles within a fight and they, they use the weapons of the time as well as the the weapons of their own time and all the times in between as well. I know, you get Yeah, this. and just everything they do is like very coordinated as well. Yeah. They don't need to speak to each other, they don't need hand signals or anything like that. In in a couple of the fight scenes you see just kind of this uh, really, um, you know, that really subconscious communication between them. Like when he throws the throws the gun over his head to the guy behind him, because he knows his, you know, he knows his boyfriend is going to be behind him, ready for the gun. He doesn't yeah. need to think about it. He just does it. Yeah, and I think there's like another bit like that where kind of Andy just grabs someone, chucks it behind him, and one of the others it like, it spins and pops him in the head. Yeah. Like, Basically, without even looking, really. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a nice flow to it. What I did like, though, was the fact that um, Andy's character is just such a badass in this um, when it comes to the hand axe. Um, Just, she gets, when she gets pissed off with with just being locked down in uh, a firefight, and she she just grabs the axe and walks in and kills everyone. That being said, can we now discuss possibly the one near unforgivable sin of this movie? <coughs> it's it's the bit where they're in the safe house and like there's a whole SWAT team coming to get him and Andy goes to fight them off and she grabs a sword from the wall. No! You've set up the axe. She uses the axe. The axe is right there. <laughs> and she grabs a different weapon. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see her hit dudes in the face with an axe. I'll admit, I was disappointed because of the lack of the axe. Because the axe was cool. I have to say, the axe design was really cool. It is. I, I like it. Like, looks weirdly modern a bit. Yeah, I was going to say, the design definitely wasn't Scythian. I'm pretty sure it was not a Scythian axe. But, you know, I mean, it, it was more, it looked far more kind of medieval modern or some kind of modern blacksmith's take on what a medieval axe may look like. Yeah, which I mean, I guess, you know, she has quite a while to work out how do I refine this design? Yeah, I mean, uh, in yeah. terms of in terms of axe combat, as a battle axe, it's a really good design. Really simple and really direct. Yeah. And it lets you do lots of fun, spinny stuff. Yeah. Right. Oh, also, as, we reco- fun- as, we re- as we're recording this, I've got the, the poster 
of the old guard on my screen in front of me. And it's a bit weird because it, it appears to have all the other bit members of the cast growing out of Charlize Theron. Well, I mean... Oh, no. <laughs> you, you've solved the like, secret <coughs> backstory for the sequel. It's... Oh, it's uncomfortable to look at. See, this is the thing. I'm looking at pictures from the comic and uh, it, it's bizarre how much they did make uh, Charlize Theron look like Andy from the comic. It is. I am still slight, slightly stuck on like John Carpenter's The Old Guard. It was though, wasn't it? I mean, there's some of the... just like horrible people just growing out of Charlie's Theron. The thing is, you say <laughs> you've ruined this, Mick. You've ruined it. <laughs> I didn't design the poster. Yeah, uh, sorry, not John Carpenter. John Wick, that's the other thing that this reminded me of. Kind of a low-budget John Wick with more people trying to play the role yeah. of John Wick. Well, I mean, I have kind of two sort of interesting semi-linked bits of trivia. Yeah. Which is, first of all, Charlie's Theron actually trains at the same place Keanu Reeves does for, for the John Wick films. Ooh, very nice. And she started training there for Atomic Blonde which is actually why that safe house scene is very different from the comics. Ah. Because in the comic, their safe house is like some run-down apartment in like a building block. Yeah, yeah. And she fights those dudes on the stairs, just like the big action scene in Atomic Blonde. Well, the axe design is taken directly from the comic. I know that. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, with Greg Rooker writing both the comic and the uh, the film, there are a lot of scenes that are just like directly one to one. Yeah, like I know um, the bit where Nikki and Joe get captured. Yes, and like one of the guards is like, "Is he your boyfriend?" And then he's basically like got that big long speech about like, "No, he's my everything." Yeah, and then like the van pulls up. They open the door and just all the guards fall out and Nicky and Joe are just like casually hanging out on the seats. Yes. That's that's like exactly the same as the comic. Which is good because that's a great scene. See, I did like Nicky and Joe as well. Uh, I like the relationship between the two of them. I do. I just, I love that whole idea of like, they started off as enemies in the Crusades. And it took them several I'm... lifetimes to realise the truth. <laughs> Yes, just just fell in love by killing each other over and over. <laughs> Can you imagine that though? Going to the Crusades and then you kill your enemy and then you go off and then you come back. And you're like, you again? <laughs> and then <laughs> there's and something then... <laughs> missing from my life now. I mean, to be honest, that's like I would watch a whole other film of just that. Yeah. See, that's the thing, also, when, I, when you're talking about exposition, I wanted to know more about the whole thing with Joe and Nicky, how they kept killing each other until they fell in love. Yeah, and actually, I'm quite disappointed as well, because the way they portray that in the comic I like a lot, because you basically, you flash back to the Crusades, and like, they stab each other, then they get back up. Yeah. Then I think it's like, Nicky stabs Joe again. And then Joe just like gets a rock, bashes Nikki's head in, and then collapses down on top of him. 
And then it cuts to like present day them kind of in bed in that same pose. And I just thought that was like a neat way of transitioning. Yeah. Basically, that's, that's I think, that's the big thing with the exposition as well, is I would have liked to have seen it more than they told it. Yes. Like, like give us more flashback stuffs to them throughout history. That would have been neat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, they could have done it as a sort of, like a flashback sequence or, a, you know, sort of overlaid as they were discussing it, but... They just didn't. And I, I think that's where the budget thing comes into play. Um, yeah, that's what makes it feel more like a TV movie, a TV pilot yeah. episode for a series, rather than an actual movie in its own right. Yeah. And I think another big thing with that as well, that can disappoint me a bit, is kind of in the, the final act, like in the comic, that's Andy Booker and Niall that are going after Merrick in this big, elaborate Dubai hotel. Yeah. Whereas in the film, it's just like some lab in London. Yeah. And Niall just gets in herself without too much bother. It's also, it's a bit weird how like Niall needs Copley's help to get into the lab. So he lets her in. And then she just like turns with like, right, okay, you can you can bugger off home now. I don't need you anymore. And like, I get the idea of maybe the one of us who is not very vulnerable to bullets should be the one doing the rescue. But it's just, and as with all films, I want more Chiritalizia for in it. Yeah. I mean, for me, for me, he's basically in this. He plays exactly the same character as he does in Serenity. Um, kind of, yeah. but without I, the combat skills. Well, yes, exactly. I, th- I thought I already explained it to you. The distinct difference is in Serenity, he has a sword. In Old God, everyone else has a sword. Yeah. But other than that, no difference. I'll, I'll be honest. I I preferred his role in Serenity. To his role in the old guard, yes, um, because his his beliefs were backed up by his actions in Serenity. You actually saw that he was willing to go the ho- go that far just for his beliefs. Yeah, whereas you didn't really get that sense in the old guard. I mean, if he truly believed that uh, Andy and her group were doing good things, if he truly believed that, he would never have sold them out. Yeah, that's right. And like, I, I, I get the basic idea of he wants to find a cure for diseases because his wife like died of a degenerative thing, but also you're so very clearly working for the bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> because no good guy would be that manic. Yeah. He's also he's also very clear about the fact that he wants the secret to immortality so that he can sell it for lots and lots of money. He doesn't care about helping people. Yeah. yeah. Just, like, just go work with the immortals and, like, I don't know, do some mouth swabs. (laughs) And, oh, I mean, even 
they seem like all right folks. I, I think eventually you can probably say to them, hey, Nikki, mind if I do a quick blood test to see if I can cure every single disease in the world ever? Probably be fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, speak, again, speaking of probably being fine with it, I, I do love how just like very casual Nikki and Joe about the, are about the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, what's that? We're stuck to a table being experimented on. Yeah, this is like barely even top 50 worst things that have ever happened to us. Yeah. It's basically a vacation. Yeah. I mean, they, get, I, they get to lie down, they get fed, you know, the, if they had a TV, then, you know, it's Miller time. I mean, I think I think when you're as long-lived as the, the, the guys in the old guard, They've probably got their own version of Behold, where they rank their bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> Behold, the bad guys. <laughs> they, they do a synopsis of their adventure. Then talk about the pros and cons of the battles that they had. And then ultimately they place um, Stephen Merrick on a list. <laughs> so and at the and at the top, you've got the Witchfinder General from the Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah, but somewhere on that... Oh, my God, a... is Stephen Merrick that Ang Lee's Hulk? <laughs> uh, possibly. <laughs> but so, uh, does, the, does their bad guy list go, like, does it have ranks like 18 villain and Doctor Who villain? <laughs> and they've got to go with, like, Doctor Who before the break villain and Doctor Who after the break villain. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and Star Trek. Well, I mean, they're, they're so long lived, they've probably got entire divisions yeah. of bad guys. So there's a. You know, like when we're rumming and ahhing about whether a, an adaptation goes between two other adaptations, they've probably got a whole relegation and promotion thing going on. There's probably <laughs> villains involved in playoffs. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> they go off and fight that villain again. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you really that bad or you just put it on? <laughs> Were you ju- was that just your first attempt at being bad? Oh, can you can you imagine the questionnaire that goes with it? So, on a scale of one to ten, how evil are you? Are you using the following scale? Not very evil. <laughs> Quite evil. Very evil. Doctor Evil. <laughs> evil incarnate. <laughs> The, the episode 150 spectacular with special guest Attila the Hun. <laughs> <laughs> Attila's just sitting there. He turns out to be quite a nice guy. <laughs> we asked him to fill out the questionnaire. He sent us this courier's head. <laughs> also, Mick. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't want to tell you how to podcast. You're right. But don't don't tell the audience a far better version of our show than the one that exists. <laughs> well, I, I did it in the safe knowledge that it doesn't exist. <laughs> but also, think of it maybe as more of a production meeting where I've given you some ideas and food for thought for the future. <laughs> think of That's me right, more as a creative the... consultant. <laughs> That's right. I do forget how much of this podcast... Is also just us having our weekly meetings and not bothering to turn the recorder off. <laughs> well, we always did say we should record these meetings. 
And now we do. We just do it in a really efficient manner where it's part of the podcast. Anyway, I do have one like relatively minor gripe with the film as well. It's that I think it's it's a budgety thing as well. I'm not a fan of the music. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. using actual licensed songs as your soundtrack is something that can either work really well or really badly. And I think in this, it just it doesn't work. It just makes it feel very, I want to say CW-esque. Yeah. 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 And I, I, well, I think I think you're right, and I think it probably is a budgetary issue. I mean, if you look at the MCU, which which does it quite well with licensed music, it's like you know they've got the budget to pick and choose which artists they license. Well, not only that, with the MCU, um, aside from having the uh, budget to pick and choose who they want, um, they focus in on okay, we definitely want this song for this scene. You know, yes. they 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 get to choose. Um, you know, they they have some idea of what song they're going to use in a particular scene. And I got the sense from the music in this that because it's because it's like kind of a real world ish, but with immortals and they're doing actiony stuff and shooting people and getting shot and stuff like that. It's kind of common or garden action film, and so they're kind of well, what do we use here? They don't really have a good idea yeah. of what kind of music they wanted in any particular scene. Yeah, I also feel like there's probably some kind of production mandate that you need, like some kind of contemporary pop-esque song for every scene. Yeah. So it needs to be something that your audience is probably going to realise, oh, that's a relatively modern song. I like modern songs. See, I'll be honest, some of the scenes, you, they probably could have got away with that DRM-free music that you get on YouTube. <laughs> it might have worked better. Oh, my God, The Old Guard with music by Kevin McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just put my name in the credits, it'll be fine. I mean, obviously, not that I'm knocking Kevin. He makes very good music. No, that's why we use it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we use it for this very show. Why don't you make that like Merrick's theme tune whenever he turns up? <laughs> yeah. I don't want us to be associated with Stephen Merrick. <laughs> or, or as I like to call him, Screech's dad. I was just saying, you know how... Uh, um, Darth Vader has dun 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 dun, dun, dun. yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, but the problem is that Adam Ellis' performances, uh, Stephen Merrick, would make the 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 theme for Stephen Merrick when he entered the scene. That's it. That's it, Mick. They should use license-free music from like the Victorian era. Oh God. But yeah, that, that's a relatively minor gripe. Mm. And as, as a counterpoint to that, I would also say I think the old guard is kind of like one of the best Wolverine movies we've ever got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, I'm just saying, you know, X Men, they're coming to the MCU eventually. We need to recast old 
James Howlett, Logan, Wolverine, Patch, Stabby Man. Charlie's Theron's right there. Yeah. I think they should just rebrand Wolverine as Healy Stabby Man. Yeah, I wouldn't go with Healy. Healy Stabby Man, yeah. Healy, um, it just makes him sound like he wears a lot of heels. Well, if he's Charlie's Theron, he will. Very true. I think what we need to do is, is we need to go kind of inhuman style. His code name is Heel Stab. <laughs> His real name is like Heelsworth McStabbington the <laughs> Third. <laughs> and yes, I have found yet another occasion to awkwardly shoehorn in the fact. That Black Bolt's real name is Blackagar Boltagon. Yep. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, right. I've just found a picture of uh, you know the Aladdin remake. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it's uh, Netflix's adaptation. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Disney's remake of Aladdin, the live action remake. Marwan Kanzari plays Jafar in that, doesn't he? Does he? Yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never watched the original, so. Yeah, Mountain Kanzari, I think, plays uh, Jafar in that Aladdin thing. I've just found a picture of him in costume as Jafar, and my first thought was, why wasn't this? Uh, you know, this could easily have been a scene from the exposition bit <laughs> between him and uh, the uh, the other actor if they do like flashbacks. Because, <laughs> so why wasn't it? They could have just nicked stuff from Aladdin. Of Mao and Kazari pointing at various things in his Jafar costume. See, and I guess that that is maybe the one down, one of the other downsides of having a lot of not super well-known actors. Yeah, it's just imagine a version of the old guard where it keeps flashing back, but it's just footage of other films. Oh man, I've just found out who Harry Melling is. He's the grandson of Patrick Troughton. Oh That's... wow. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Actually, I can see that. Uh, there's something about the uh, jawline and the eyes, now that you mention it, that reminds me of John Steed. Well, I don't know why that would be, because that was Patrick McNee. Yeah, yeah, uh, Patrick Charlton was Doctor Two. Oh, is that Doctor Two? I get confused yeah. between my Patricks. Okay, that doesn't work then. My mind is rebellious. <laughs> I've just replaced John Steed with the second Doctor. I'm like, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> anyway. But now I want to see that version of the second Doctor where he just walks around with a walking, with an umbrella and a bowler hat. And his companion is just this really sexy, sassy woman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all the Doctor Who fans would die. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, with with that earth-shattering revelation, shall we move on to the ranking? Yes. So, yes, it is now time to put the old guard on our list, currently going from 1 to 15, uh, with Road to Perdition at number 1. And as as I think hinted earlier, Ang Lee's Hulk still rocking that bottom spot. So, whereabouts do we think the old guard goes? Um, well, I mean, bearing in mind that we're we're sort of ranking the quality of adaptation, 
rather than you know sitting on the Oscar committee. Yeah. I uh, based on what you guys have said about the 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 closeness to the plot of the comic, it's got to be quite high, hasn't it? Yeah, as a... it does. I, I will also offer you a rebuttal to that argument, though, which is my podcast rules. What I say, they are. It goes wherever we want. Okay. I mean, you, how much you enjoy it has to count for something with yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, also, yeah. That being said, the fact that it is rather enjoyable and is a like very close adaptation of the source material, I think, are big pluses. But there's yeah, also I... big minuses. Um, the fact that it didn't have the budget to kind of carry it uh, to feel more like a standalone movie, and instead it felt more like the first double episode, you know, the special episode, pilot episode of a series. Yeah. And that... But I think, I don't think there was, it, it wasn't one of those where the budget let it down to the point where you thought, oh, I'm not watching this. No. I, and, you know, if, if they do yeah. the old game too, yeah. I'll give that an hour and a half, two hours of my time. The thing is, I know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't think, I think that's probably the highest praise we can say about the film is that when the old guard 2 is inevitably announced, I'm going to go, oh, neat, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, I know several people who don't read comic books at all, um, did not know The Old Guard was based on a comic book, sat down and watched it, and thought, I like that. And that's about the limit to their thought, because most of these guys are taxi drivers. But you get my point. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew and I, on the other hand, have high regards for taxi drivers. We think they're... We think they're great. He said, desperately <laughs> trying to crawl back any listeners that um, we may have lost due to your bigotry. Rob. I work with taxi drivers. I know the truth. <laughs> it's fine. I'm glad we're finally shining a light on this issue. <laughs> but yeah, but basically what my thing is, is I like the old guard. I do think it's very good. We've also got a lot of very good things on the list. Yeah. So, <clears throat> give so, us something nice and mid-table. What, yeah. what have we got mid-table? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's where I'm kind of... So, at number seven, we've got Winona Earp season one. Number eight, we've got Harley Quinn season one. Number nine, we've got the first X-Men movie. We put Winona Earp at number seven. Yeah. Okay. I I think we can, I think we can maybe shoehorn Old Guard in just above Winona. I was thinking about because uh, it's I, a better adaptation. It, it's a better adaptation than Winona Earp, but I mean, simply for the practicality that they couldn't physically find anybody who looked like the comic version of Winona Earp. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. So that will be going uh, in our new number seven spot, just under Iron Man. Iron Man, the old guard. Yeah, that works. Then we've got like Winona Earp, Harley Quinn, X-Men, Tank Girl. And then we hit Lock and Key, which is kind of the start of the not good part of the list. 
Yeah, that's, I like the that's fact what's going to shortly got sp get split off into Division Two. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that Tank Girl is better than Lock and Key. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sw soft spot for that movie. I, 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 it's I think, got a lot of charm. I think you'd be heartless not to have a soft spot for Tank Girl. Yeah. So, yeah, we've done it. We've ranked another film. We have. And with that, I think we've uh, we've about come to the end of the show. So, if you would like to listen to more, you can find all our old episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss a new episode. You can also listen to our other podcast, the Comics Review Show 4 panel, over on the Geek Show Podcast Network. And if you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at BeholdPod. And if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you did uh, leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. It is the best way to uh, get us noticed and to just help us grow and improve as a show. So that's about everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. I've been Rob. I've been Mick. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Shall we do that again? Yes. Right. Line. So, until next time, I've been Andrew. I've been Mike. And I've been Rob. Uh, so long, and thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>